Um, so close your eyes. And neither were we. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> you can't see it. Sorry. <laughs> Scratch that. We didn't hear it. We didn't even hear it. Good. Good. Okay, so anywho, um, okay, so close your eyes. I wrote this for my kids, but I feel like it's for anybody who has struggled with um, people that they love who either make cutting comments or, um, or just try to deny your existence. So this is for holiday season. Um, in a season where everything is busy, if I didn't see you, I'm sorry. In a season where everything is about Jesus, if I did anything but portray his love, I'm sorry. I see you. I love you. I see you for the unique person that God created in the most secret of places. I see the love of God as a father in you. I see the love of God as a mother in you. 
I see the Holy Spirit flowing through every cell in your body. And if the world doesn't see it, it's okay. I see it. Your daddy sees it. Jesus sees it. You are whole and you are complete. Merry Christmas, my babies. Love, Mama. I think it was really interesting that that she said, we come in here and we hear these words of love and affirmation. We hear that you're the beloved. And then we walk outside. And our politics say something else. The political landscape is, is rife with conflict. Um, and the division and the hate, the assaults, the resistance is real. Um, I think that Miss April is ready to take children to the back. So if you have children that would like to go. And I believe that Morgan is going to take um, teenagers. So teens can go with Morgan. Children can go with April. You know, what's so interesting is I have full faith and confidence that the kids are going to get the same message that we get out here because we have trained people that know how to wonder and stay in the mystery with our kids instead of manipulating, controlling, and telling them what to believe. And um, I'm just grateful that it's happening from the back of the house to the front of the house. We have a place, an agency. We have... um, we have, uh, we even include Sarah up here. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead. Yes.
Do we have a peace blessing? Would you like to come and, and minister the peace blessing to your family? To your church family? <laughs> Good morning. This is what I would have read to you last week if we hadn't been sick um, for the first week of the new year. And close your eyes if you want and soak it in. Maybe take a few deep breaths, settle yourself wherever you're sitting. Peace to you in a new year. Peace in all the hard things that are not erased by the turning of the page in the calendar and peace in all the things you eagerly anticipate in the days to come. Peace in all the things left undone, the things that you didn't get to say, the things that you said and regretted, and the stack of unread books, and the new hobbies that you never learned. Peace in your resolutions and your commitments to do something different, and peace in your deciding that resolutions are only made to be broken. Peace in your doubts that 2023 will be any better than the last two years and the long months that have slowly whittled away the world as we knew it. I understand why you'd hesitate to even open your eyes, but I've left the light on for you so you can come on in when you're ready. Peace to the ones who believe their lives are nothing but dust and ashes, those who have watched what they've built go up in smoke. Just watch and see what God can create from the dust Peace to those for whom this is a season of hope because it is not yet a season of joy. Peace to those who feel neither joy nor hope, the ones who are just sure that the sad thing is never going to come untrue. For all of you, I pray a moment of unexpected joy, even if just a tiny spark that says you are not alone today. Peace to you like realizing we don't need a new you every new year like looking in the mirror and seeing that who you are is already enough. Peace to you like a blank page and a story to tell, like realizing that you have something worth saying. Peace to you like allowing yourself to believe the best really is yet to come, like another 365 days of endless possibilities. What if this is the year that you find true freedom? What if loneliness becomes a distant memory 
What if you learn to love yourself? I mean, really love yourself. What if you finally let go of what isn't meant for you to make space for what has been waiting for you all along? What if you get the new job or the new relationship or the new solution to that one problem that's been bothering you for years? What if you have more energy, more creativity, more money, and more love than you even know what to do with? What if you do the thing that terrifies you and it turns out better than you could have ever imagined? What if your tears turn into rivers of joy? What if everything God has ever said about you really is true? What if you are completely held, completely seen, completely healed, and completely loved? What if you are, after all, the beloved in Christ? Peace to you. Beautiful. Why don't you stand with me? She hits a home run with those, doesn't she? Every single time. Well, we're going to have the, the band come back up. I'm gonna, they're going to let me join them again. I'm going to show Sarah a thing or two here in a minute. Um, try to, yeah, they all laugh like, ha, ha, ha. Um, why don't you go ahead and, and greet one another again? No handshaking in here if we can hold off on that. Just a fist bumping and bowing or, you know, elbow bumping. Go ahead and extend your grace and peace to one another, and God bless you as you do.
with me and then no I thought I thought that you started with me them to stand for it. Yeah. If you can hear me say I want to worship. If you can hear me say I want to worship. Hello, House Church. Come back and let's worship together. going to do a little check to make sure our drummer can hear. <laughs> We're going to do, yeah, you guys, if you want to sit or stand, whatever you feel, whatever feels good to you. You know this song, so.
This is where my hope lies. 
So I know the pastor wanted us to say something about Let It Rain. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> How many of you remember this song, Let It Rain? Like, <laughs> remember when it first came out, like, what, 40 years ago? I think Michael W. Smith did it. How many so, of you have fallen on the floor to this song before? How many of you? Oh, look, look, just look around. There's a couple of us. Okay. <laughs> so we love this song, and we love the flow of this song, and we love the words. What we want what we want to know, too, is that this is not a song that is us sort of begging God to rain down on us because we know that there's no separation. There's no separation between us and God. When we're saying, let it rain, it's the God in us speaking to God, let it rain. Let it rain your peace. Let it rain your love. Whatever words might come to you. And not only to let it rain, I always think of it as it's it's that moment when I want to know that tangible presence of God. But it's also letting God reign within me, the R-E-I-G-N, right? The reign inside of all the things in my life and all the circumstances and all the things that I'm feeling, the moments that I'm having. And so... I want you to have freedom in this song to know that you're you're not someone standing before God going, please, God, please. Although I'm going to say that there are some times when we have those moments when we do feel that separation and we and we do feel like that's what we're doing. But we know that that is not the true story. The real story is that there is no separation. So this song is an opportunity for us to get real intimate with God. And so I invite you to stand and really um, maybe do it in a different, worship in a different way with this melody than you have before. But
heaven. Can you put your hand on your heart and feel the heartbeat of heaven? Put your hand right here and feel the heartbeat of heaven. If you want to put your other hand on your gut, you can feel that B minor in your gut resonate. You can feel that movement of spirit resonate right here. Sometimes the floodgates of heaven are just opening up the connection between here, here, and here. Right? Between our heart, our gut, and our mind.
So I, I've actually been, something occurred to me, and I've been worshiping in this song with a little different perspective, and maybe this has occurred to everyone, maybe not. Heaven is here. It is right here in my heart. It's in her heart. It's in your heart. Open that, God, open that floodgate of heaven. It's in my heart. Let me rain on the ground that I walk. Let me quench the thirst of those that are around me in my life. God, let it rain. Yes, 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 yes. Pour out on me. the temple that they described in the Hebrew scriptures actually describes the human body. 
There's these different gates and portals and courthouses and courtyards that have to be entered before the mind will open and the heart will open. But we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Hallelujah. And there's no bad gate and there's no bad court and every part of you belongs. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, there's a spiritual thing happening. Um, I'm in, in a different place, a rare form. It feels like uh, I can't quite find my groove because I'm so overwhelmed um, with, with what's happening with me. You can be seated if you'd like. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. Noah's life. Come on, somebody. What are we talking about? In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, after 600 years of life, on that day, <laughs> the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. On the 600th year, of Noah's life, the fountains of the great deep finally broke open in good old Noah. For something finally broke up. Something finally broke open in him and the windows of heaven were opened. We live under an open heaven. The veil is thin and some things need to be broken up within us. I come to you this morning with a broken heart. I come to you this morning being outcast, rejected, oppressed, controlled, and manipulated. I come to you sad, sorry, broken, beaten, left for dead, like the man on the way. Like the man on the way. The man in our story who is going down from Jerusalem, down to Jericho, down from a high place on the mountaintop, over 2,000 feet above sea level, goes down a winding road, the way of blood, down to Jericho. Jericho is the most, uh, least elevated city on the face of the, of the earth. It's the lowest point on earth, Jericho. He was traveling down, and some thieves came and overtook him took off his clothing, beat him, left him for dead. I feel like that guy today. I feel <laughs> like that guy today. I feel like I was on a mountaintop. I was looking forward to a new year. I felt like I was just starting to get my head above water. I was just over covid Again, for the second time. <laughs> I was just on my way. And out of nowhere came an ambush from where I least expected it. <laughs> yeah, 
John, John 10, John 10 says, for the enemy doesn't come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, <laughs> oh, they called me impure, but the, the Lord has a way of turning stuff on its head. It just means if you look at it a little differently, I'm pure. I'm pure. Im, Im, it's where you put the emphasis on which syllable. It's I'm, I'm pure. Im, oh, you calling me impure? Calling me disgusting, telling me my stuff isn't legitimate, telling me it isn't real, that I'm just playing at this game of life, that my church isn't real, that my marriage isn't real, that my family isn't real. They come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. They come to steal your confidence, steal your vision, steal your purpose. Destroy your self-esteem. Destroy your relationship with God. Make you question, did God really say? Did God really say? I feel like that man on the road, the way of blood, the way of tears. I feel like that man today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Broken, beaten, naked, left for dead, weak, not finding my mark, not finding my stride. Along comes a priest. <laughs> Along comes a priest. The Bible story doesn't say it this way. It just says the priest um, saw the man in the road but decided to pass by on the other side. I've given a lot of credence to that last week. We talked about that. We know that he had probably just finished up his temple duties in Jerusalem. He had had a long day at work. Um, and maybe perhaps he just didn't need another problem. He didn't need another one. <laughs> but also, too, to his credit, they weren't supposed to touch unclean things, and a, and a dead body would have been considered an unclean thing. So either way you look at it, you could justify his behavior under his guidance and his religion, what he thought was right. And I would say, and I want to stand with you on this, when you follow your heart and you do what you know to do and you do what is right in your own, with your own agency, your own autonomy, that... that even though you're not the one, even though that priest came through and here I am, broken, bloodied, left for dead, I know that if someone's going to pass me by, I know that God will bring another one. Another. I know that God has a way of providing. I know that God has a way of causing provision to come to you even when you think everybody has passed you by, when you think everybody has left you for dead. You may feel that way in your own mind, even though you may be surrounded by a perfectly fine life. I might be looking at some people today that have no reason in the world to not be grateful. But somehow or another, 
there's a part of you that feels like everybody would rather pass on the other side of the road than to get in your mess with you. You feel like everybody, even the Levite comes through. He's supposed to be cool. He's on the worship team. He's supposed to wear Converse and be hip. He's supposed to love you in your bloody mess. He's supposed to get it. You know, he identifies with you, and he crosses on the other side of the road. Crosses on the other side of the road. I spoke with you last I guess y'all are still standing there. That, that's good. I like it. We're ready. Okay. There's a lot of ways to look at this story. Last week, we gave a lot of support to the Levite and to the priest. We could, get, we could um, commiserate. We could get into their plight with them. We understood why they chose to walk by. We recognize that the title itself, the Good Samaritan, is a, is a sad and unfortunate title. Indicating that all of them are pretty much bad in the writer's perspective, but this one was good. This one was worthy. I want to take the role of the one on the road. We talked about in Asian culture how they have a word in their language called Han. Han is a deeply personal word, but it's, it's uh, related collectively to a community. It's both deeply personal, but it also comes from your community. It comes from where you hail from. It, it comes from generations before you, this deep sense of grief, of being oppressed, of being put down, of being the outsider, the lost, the little. It's this, this Han is what we, um, we guessed last week that the Han in the Good Samaritan beings um, under oppression himself saw the Han of that guy that was on the road and the Han in him reached out to the Han in him and caused him to be moved with compassion to remedy the situation. The Han, that feeling of this didn't start with me, this this grief came to me, it's in me, but because I know what it's like to be outcast, because I know what it's like to be rejected, I am moved with an empathy, moved with compassion to do something for you. He was touched, touched with the feeling of our infirmity. He was moved with compassion, touched, touched. He is a man acquainted with grief, a man of sorrow and acquainted with our grief. He is the one beaten and left for dead on the road. When you've done it unto the least of these, but when have 
maybe we visited you in prison, and when did we clothe your naked body, and when did we feed your growling stomach, and when did we stop on the road for you? When you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Until we can see that there is no other until we can see that what lives, the ugly that lives in you is the ugly that lives in me. The goodness that lives in you is the goodness that lives in me. Until we can pick one another up and walk one another home, we don't have the joy of a salvation. If I leave you on the road or you leave me on the road... We don't get the joy. They say, no one has ever seen God. But if, you always hear me say, but if we have love one for another, we get a glimpse. No one has ever seen God at any time, but if I lay my life down, as Jesus said, I get a glimpse. It's only in relationship with the ugly of me in me that moves me to the ugly in you that moves me to pour in the spirit of oil and, and wine to remedy there's a whole religious context going around right now that says the ugly in you is so disgusting to me that you need to be removed from my presence your humanity your proclivities, the way that you do life, is so disgusting to me and to my God, I call you an abomination. And until you get it right, you don't belong here. For generations, religion has been so good at telling us who belongs and who doesn't. Religion's all kinds have their own little meritocracy, their little list of who's in and who's out. That is really all that religion is good for, is creating enemies, drawing lines, building walls, and putting these ultimatums until you get your life together until you clean it up, we can no longer allow you to be here. I was once sat down off the drums when I was a 17-year-old kid by this big shop minister that pulled me off the drum set, not because I was doing a bad job like I did today, but because he pulled me off and he said, here I am a kid. I'm a kid. I'm a kid. Hungry, you know, the things these stupid people say to kids. Stupid in Jesus' name. They love, I love them. They're fine. He pulled me aside. He said, the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And let not that man think that he should receive anything from the Lord, for he is like a wave tossed in the sea. And it seems to me 
that you're not making your mind up very clearly. You're a double-minded man, and we can't have that on our worship team. That was the beginning of silly things that people have said to me over a lifetime. There's this constant carrot being put out in front of our faces that if you do this, or once you can get there, then you can belong and God will accept you. That behavior is not right, young lady. Come on, Robin. You better get your act together. You better watch out. You're going to open a door to the devil. (laughs) So overly sin conscious and devil conscious and demonic conscious that you you just walk around in fear all the time thinking that you're going to accidentally slip off a slippery slope and there be lost to the lake of fire forever. I just have to get bold about this. It's a lie. It's a lie. (laughs) Guys, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, nothing, nothing. See, and in the same book, Paul said that his revelation of what Christ did with sin, what Christ did, um, to, you know, in relationship with sin, and the way I see sin, we've talked about it a little bit, but I think it's twofold. It's both an identity complex and it's also behaviors. So I think it's both. But what what Paul had a revelation of is that not only behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but also sin shall no longer have dominion over you. This is Romans, I mean, this is all like the whole context of Romans, is there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us be, it's for liberty that you have been called to Christ. It's for freedom that you have been set free. It's all of this dialogue. If you know your scriptures, you know I'm just speaking the scriptures. Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. And then he goes right in there in Romans 6 and says, let sin no longer have dominion over you. The great, the good Samaritan and that man left dead on the road understood what it was like to have, have dominion over. They knew what it was like to be oppressed. They knew what it was like to be exiled. They knew what it was like to be colonized. Well, sin is a dominion authority. It's a sovereign. It, dominion means a sovereignty. When sin has dominion over you, it's what you rule your life by. It's how you measure whether you're good enough and whether other people are good enough. That's dominion. It's a way of oppressing yourself and others. In Christ, there he has... Rem- The the revelation there is sin shall no longer have dominion, sovereign authority over you. What does that mean? What they say on their high hill of sinner, sinner, top of the sinner hill, 
Sorry, I'm a little sarcastic. But, you know, at the top, king of the sin hill, like I am in charge of who gets to come in and who gets to go out and who gets to have a good life and who doesn't and who's blessed by God and who's favored by God and who isn't. Sin shall no longer be king of the hill in your life. Sin is no longer the ruling authority. That edict is dead. It's why we're called not to judge others because that's sin rulership through you. You are partnering with an old system when you rule and judge yourself according to a meritocracy, according to a list of rules around laws. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Sin, sin shall no When you are freed from slavery... If you go back and start acting like the slave you were before you were set free, that now has dominion over you. Sin's rule book, sin's rule book Don't let this be the scepter of your sin-dominated mentality. Don't let this be a weapon in your hand to, to oppress and control or be oppressed and controlled. Don't, I, I would almost say this, if anybody ever again opens this and tells me that I'm unholy, that I'm disgusting, this is not where we, this is not what this was meant for. Was it meant for that? The letter will kill but the Spirit gives life. We should be encouraging one another, exhorting one another, even more as we see the day approaching. Even more. I would dare say that it is, uh, it is, it is, it is, I, I, I've never been so bold like this, but maybe I have. I, I don't know, but. Don't open this and pluck out a piece of your dripping, nasty sin text and say, look, you're not this. The mirror of the liberty in Christ Jesus is in the life and the blood and the bones and the flesh of the God incarnate. It's in you and it's in me. Before there was a written word, the word was made flesh. In the beginning was the word. If anybody tells you that this is the word, it's a wrong. It's wrong. 
In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld him, the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth, eating with sinners. And they're only sinners because we created a wall and an edict and said, you're out and we're in. It's up here and now you're down there. And you're, all of this stuff has got to cease. We've got to stop this stuff. And I can't even return this evil hatred for hate. Because the very be- middle of this whole essence of all of this is love your enemies. <laughs> love your enemies. <laughs> love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. Love your enemies. Pray for those who... Per- oh, come on. You didn't sign up for a Christianity that just had you laying over. This is not for the faint of heart. Oh, love your enemies. Okay. Right. No, nobody's doing that. The enemy will come in the least, out of the most unlikely of places. It comes out of the most unlikely of places. This book that I gave my life to, the book I give my life to, the book I still preach from, it'll come out of the most unlikely of places. We have got to stop being the sin police. We have got to stop talking about a demon behind every door and a devil on everything. The the Lord, the victorious one, the one, the Lord, the representative of our covenant has destroyed the powers of that system has named it, has has exposed it, has shown the light upon it And we should no longer let that edict be the dominating voice in our lives. If you want, (laughs) go ahead, go ahead, Tamara. Go ahead, did you have some? Yeah, I I was just in mid-thought and I was going to get ourselves even deeper, so I wanted to stop myself before I went all the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just thinking, you know, the, the question, and I know for those of you who were here last week, you heard this from Bonnie, but the question it, that Jesus was asked that he was answering in the Good Samaritan is, how will I inherit eternal life, right? How will I get eternal life? And Jesus said, and it's a lawyer, right? It's a lawyer that's asking the question. So the lawyer says, what's the rule for me getting eternal life? And Jesus says, let me tell you a story about the people who make the rules, um, right, the people who are enforcing the rules, not just the lawyers, but the ones who are uh, crafting those rules for the culture. This one <coughs> cared about, about those rules, right, cared about the law. The second one also cared about the law, and the third one cared about the person that was standing right in front of them. Because the mirror is here. The mirror is in the eyes of the one that is looking back at us. And so in those moments of asking ourselves what's most important, the one who will inherit eternal life is that Samaritan who knew nothing about Jewish law, who wasn't even worried about breaking the law, 
because the most important thing to him right then and there is that someone was suffering in front of him. And when people raise the very Bible at you and curse you with the thing that you're trying to bless them with, we have to be the ones who stop the violence, even though it's unfair. We have to be the ones who say, never again, never again to me or anyone else, never again, never again to me or anyone else, I will return this hatred with love. That kind of um, love, I believe, only comes from knowing how deeply loved you are. That's exactly right. By something bigger than this world. It's, it's by the thing that's on the inside of you. Yes. That's yes. where that deep love is. It's on the very inside of us. Yeah. And what did Jesus say? This is how they will know that you are mine by how much you quote the law. (laughs) Oh, is that what it said? By how you love one another. Mm -hmm. None of this sneering, jeering, sarcastic digs at our own community. It's got to stop. All these factions and fractions within our own community say, well, they're this supporter and they're that supporter. And so I can't... All that's got a hush. All that's got a hush. All that's got a hush. Until we want our enemy's children to live in the very best land with the very best food and the very best things, we are going to see a human population fast go to extinction if we keep killing, fighting, and, and killing one another. See, there's a key in wanting the best for your, your enemy. It keeps the species alive. <laughs> I have never heard those bells in my life. What, where, where are those? Go- oh, it's the church upstairs playing the bells. Okay. Oh, is it already past noon? I'm so sorry, you guys. I am so sorry. Stand with me. Don't be sorry, and here's why. You said earlier that you have never been this bold before. And as someone who's one of your ministry partners, thank you. Thank you for being bold. And I can't speak for anyone else in here. I can't speak for anyone else in here, but I can speak for myself. And I stand with you in your boldness. Because it's what needs to happen. It, this kind of boldness and this kind of truth is the only thing that's going to begin to make a change. And we get to come here and we get to hear it together. And we get to stand in it together. And we get to take it with us together out there.